Summer camp is a magic place where kids discover who they are because they have the freedom to explore on their own. Y Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is a sleepaway camp in the heart of Idaho's wilderness. Each summer, campers make friends, build new skills, and learn to love the outdoors through activities like canoeing, archery, zip lining, rock climbing, campfires, and more. Registration for Y Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is open. Financial assistance is available. Learn more at ycampidaho.org. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You got the Ionic? Yo, that Ionic 5 hasn't arrived yet. I'm still waiting for it, but I'm excited. I can't wait for that Ionic. And it's fully electric. Fully electric. It is the most evolved Hyundai, the Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to 303-mile range. With the real-wheel drive SE, SEL, and limited models. With available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car. The optional ultra-fast charging capability gives you over 60 miles of range with just six minutes of charge. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. HyundaiUSA.com. Hi, this is Matt Parker, author of A Radical Enterprise, and you're listening to the Agile Uprising Podcast. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hersko, and this week we're going to be talking about a show that we probably should have had three years ago. We're going to talk about clean language. And who are we here? Who do we have here to talk about clean language? But first off, uh, fresh off their presentation, Agile 2022, uh, my ex-boss, so this conversation might get a little interesting, Miss Sarah Backa. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. And joining us from across the pond, uh, the woman who wrote the book, From Contempt to Curiosity, uh, the arguably the progenitor of this clean language stuff that we see in the Agile space whenever someone talks about clean language and Agile. Caitlin always comes up. Miss Caitlin Walker. Caitlin, thank you for joining. Nice to be here. We are we are glad to have you both. And again, this show is long overdue. I worked for Sarah for, I think it was about 18 months, uh, but I'd known her for a year prior to that. And it was always, when are you going to do a show on clean language? When are you going to do a show on clean language? And <laughs> I'm one of those stubborn people where I need to read the book first. I never got around to reading the book. And I said, okay, Sarah, you win. You win. We both go to, we both work at different companies now. Let's just get it over with. So, but first, Sarah, let's talk a little bit about you and your journey. So um, can we have a little bit about like what you do, but then also let's talk about how you came into the clean language space. Sure. Um, I have, as you know, recently moved companies a few months ago where I'm working in infrastructure with an organization that's currently waterfall. So they're completely changing everything about their way of being, but the culture is so amazing that like the process stuff is going to be easy, I think, which has been really cool. And um, currently I'm getting my master's in social work because I'm really interested in the emotional side of what we do and helping people to live their best lives. And I want to combine that with agility and clean language 
And I was introduced to clean language by Andrea Chu, who um, brought Caitlin over to the US to teach a class that um, is like their introductory class, Clean for Teens. And I was immediately hooked, like obsessed. I went home to my husband and he was like, please stop talking about this. You're really annoying. <laughs> slow, slow down, slow down. What are we doing for dinner? Right? Because that's the typical guy response, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, so Caitlin, uh, let's talk a little bit about your journey. How did I get into this? Well, um, my long, it depends how, how far back we go. My long background was by the time I was 10, I'd lived in three continents. So I'm, my mom's American, my dad's British, and I was born in Nigeria in Africa. And we moved around and growing up, I was like, Do you know what? When you have to come and learn a whole new culture, a whole new set of rules, a lot of these rules are just made up. Like, and some of them are rubbish. You know, when I got, when I moved to California and there was so much segregation in a mixed race school, I'd never seen anything like this. And having come from West Africa where everyone was black except for me, I was like, what, what is going on? And so growing up, I became very interested in anthropology and how groups create rules, how those rules evolve and change. And then David Grove, who is the originator of clean language, I went to watch him work and he did a wonderful demonstration. He's a great therapist. And we did a little exercise, just a little exercise. And he, he said, you've got four questions. Get into pairs and ask each other, what would you like to have happen? And then whatever they say, ask them three clean questions. What kind of, where, and is there anything else? So I get together with some 40-year-old man. He's obviously quite old because I was <laughs> very funky and in my 20s. And he said, he said, what would you like to have happen? At the time, I was doing a PhD in artificial intelligence in strategies for lexical access, you know, teaching computers to understand human speech. Very bored. And he said, what would you like to have happen? I said, you know, I really want to find my path. And he said, what kind of path is that? And I said, oh, it's one that's, that's compelling. And he said, and where is that path? And I went, oh, look, it's here. And he went, is there anything else about that path? And I went, I'm not on it. And that was the end of the exercise. And I sat going. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked out that night. I walked out of my PhD. I walked out of my partnership of 14 years. And I just left it because I thought, if in four questions, some stranger can help me get that much information simply by not interfering with me and my own thoughts, I could, what, I could change the world with this. And so I took it into teenagers, into working with teenagers, helping teenagers, particularly um, gangs, um, racially segregated gangs in London. And then somebody said, can you do this in IT? And I was like, oh, I don't know. That sounds a bit, you know, like old people in suits. But turns out they're just like gangs anyway. <laughs> I said, well, what's the problem? They said, oh, programmers hate the marketers. Marketers hate the engineers. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and sort of the really the rest is history. People would say, what happens if you apply clean language to back pain? I'd say, right, find me a musculoskeletal physiotherapist, get me a bunch of people with back pain, and I'll use the questions to model their invisible architecture. And then we found, lo and behold, people could heal better when they got really high quality information from their own system that wasn't interfered with by the questioner. So whether it's an intersect, then, you know, somebody like Sarah would say, can you use this with facilitating teams to function better? It's like, probably let's have a go and so that, that's how it's gone it's been a, a 15 years 20 years now of experimentation 
How does it work here? How does it work there? So, <laughs> excuse me. It's actually kind of wild that you had the epiphany that most people as adults, we all struggle for, right? Like, what am I doing? Where am I going? Where do I want to be going? And where am I going now? What is the delta, right? Yeah. Um, but so before, before we go a little bit further, you kind of hinted at the definition of clean language. And I really want to pull that thread a little bit. The idea of being able to ask questions without projecting the questioner's point of view. Can you, can you explain that a little bit more? Because when I understood that theory, it kind of blew my mind open. Like, wow, how, how loaded, actually how loaded our language is. Always, absolutely. It's because it's not just the questions; it's also the stance. It's the it's the ability. I'll, I'll tell you, um, a teenager years ago, I, I said to her, so, "So, what is it I'm trying to teach you?" And she said, "I know." She said, "Most people, when they have an argument or they have an idea, it's like there's a frying pan, and you're a vegetarian and I'm a meat eater, and you want vegetables and I want meat." She said, "With clean language, you know beforehand life's a barbecue." And there's a long grill and you can have your vegetables and I can ask you about your vegetables and then I'll have my meat and you can ask me about my meat, but with the space for each person to have their own thoughts. So there's the, the clean thinking, but clean language is when somebody speaks, you have a series of data points as well as gestures. You saw my gesture and you ask questions that are adjacent to what you've heard or seen. That is that they accept and extend, you know, what would you like to have happen? I'd like to find my path. What kind of path? It simply takes the word path and it extends it, a one that's compelling. Where is the path? Oh, look. And so it's, a, it's very, very simple questions that accept and extend what's been said until the listener and the, the person being questioned has a mini model of what it is that they're trying to convey. And then I can model you, you can model me. And now we go, oh, right, that's what's going on for him. That's what's going on for her. And now we better understand each other. So it's a sort of a separation, but then that allows a, a much deeper level connection. So Sarah, I'm going to ask you, <clears throat> when you started trying to utilize this, what was what were some of the, the epiphanies that you had? Like what were some of the things that blew your mind open? But also where did, what were some of the hardest parts you thought about starting to use this type of approach those are always the same thing for me because if it's epiphanies and it's because i didn't want to think about it before and clean kind of forces you to you know like when you when caitlin will demonstrate two people having radically different ideas of the way that they model something something that seems so universal like time and you think everybody thinks of time like you do and then you realize for someone it's like a shotgun and for someone it's like a lake and for me, who's really linear, I was like, what the heck is that? Like, it really blew my mind. But she legitimizes all those differences. So it really shifts from like a worldview of I am right and everyone else is wrong to you are so dramatically different than I am that I can't even begin to guess how you process information and mm. what makes you sick. So there's like this respect which is one thing I really love about it, where you respect everyone's perspective and model, even if it doesn't make sense to you, like that whole from contempt to curiosity thing. It really does make you curious because like what you just said makes no sense to me whatsoever, but it does to you. So what am I missing? And that's, right. I think, especially in the agile coach industry, where we have so many experts with their little jackets on and you know, acting like they know things to instead. How great would that be, by the way, if we like, we got handed out, not like green jackets, like the masters, but like a blue blazer with patches, like one of those like Russian generals, like from under Stalin with all the medals, right? It would be so embarrassing. Well, your certification but, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Certifications have your sleeve, man. That would we should do that the next conference. Hand them out to people. Make them register beforehand. It would be. It would probably be worth the money spent to just to see visually how people react to one another. But anyway, continue, continue. Peacocks, but we would respect the differences, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. For for me, one of the things that clean language kind of brought to the fore was, you know, conversation is difficult, right? And I've done a lot of reading about. Claude Shannon and information theory and how like noise gets in the way. And, but most importantly, like think about the English language, right? How difficult it is as a language to learn. And Wittgenstein said 99% of our problems are philosophical problems are not philosophical problems. It's problems in language and communication. And I, and the the example that I give all the time to people when you're trying to understand how, how hard, how how hard learning English is to someone who doesn't speak English natively. If either of you have watched the TV show, the wire on HBO, David Simon, there's a scene where the two detectives go into a room to investigate a crime scene, and all they say is fuck. And they do this for an hour and four, uh, for a minute and 45 seconds. Wow. It's just they're walking around the room, gesture, and they're having a full-on conversation with a third party who's just watching them talk to one another. But they, they through the act of them acting and pointing and even just reading facial expressions, they literally have an entire conversation in a minute and 45 seconds using only one word, which just happens to be an expletive. You could have replaced it with like potato or something. It probably <laughs> dramatically wouldn't have worked as well. But the point is the thing I took away from that, because at that point when I saw the show, I was deep into this agile nerdery stuff. I, our biggest struggles are our struggles around, to your point, Sarah, I see it as a tomato, you see it as a shotgun. So how do we come to that point where I understand how you're seeing things and it can't help you get Caitlin's title of her book, it can't help you but get curious because you really kind of want to understand where is this person coming from? I think that one of the big things as well is, is how do you do that with minimal cognitive overload? Mm. Because I don't want to sit and work and have to fully understand all of your stuff before I interact with you. And so I think the other thing to look at with this is what's the least I have to know so that I can make healthy predictions about you what's so we we often do like a what's a rough guide a rough guide to sarah i know just enough but i know what she's like when she's working at her best this is her invisible architecture when she's making decisions this is what she's like and if she knows just enough about me that we can start to make healthy predictions about each other but what we don't want is to be navel gazing and you know getting too therapeutic right. with mm-hmm. so it's just between that isn't it it's it's yeah, there are great emotions and these things are really important to us, but let's not, you know, what's the least I have to know about you? Right, right. To at least form a, a mental picture of where you're coming from, right? Because it's not often, it's not, I, I've come to learn, it's not what, it's not what you hear, it's what people say. And when I say something, again, the limits of my language and the limits of my life, I, if I lack the word to properly say what I'm thinking, it's going to come out in a certain way. And, and the clean questions help you kind of strip all that away. And, and the, the act of the metaphor, you know, I, I quote Sean Hotchkiss all the time. I definitely owe this guy at least like a mortgage payment or two. I, I quote him all the time because we had that one meeting with him and he said, metaphors are the way we make sense of the world. And it's just resonated in my head ever since because that's why uh, I personally like the clean questions because describe something that's like what? That like what question when someone gives that answer, it blows open the perception window because it's like, oh, I wouldn't think about it that way. So can we understand a bit more? Can we get, can we go in on that? And it's not, it's not trivial as well. You know, I, I often talk about going into a, it was a big leaders in a, in a business. And I said to them, start, they, they paid me to come and facilitate the start of their project, a big startup. 
And I said, if this project was to go just the way you'd like it to, it'll be like what? And one of them says, it'll be unclear. And then the CEO says, that's so negative. I can't believe you're even on this project. You ruin everything with your negativity. And I just jump in and say to the group, let's just find out for the person who was angry. For you, unclear is like what? She said, oh, it's like we've got a head up against a brick wall. We can't see where we're going. I said, anything else about it when it's unclear and you've got a head up against a brick wall? She said, yeah, she said, we'll be, the, the project's doomed to failure from the start. I said, okay, said to the group. So for her, unclear is like head up against a brick wall. Let's find out what it is for her. For you, unclear is like what? She says, oh, it's like we've been on tracks, but now that we've got a new startup and all this funding, it's an open landscape. landscape and so we can decide from scratch which way we're going to go. And you're like, okay, anything else about that? Yep, it's about taking responsibility and choosing our way. Great. And so that's, you know, it took four minutes. Mm -hmm. that would have been a really negative start to a project. Suddenly they were like, oh, okay. And then what was great about that was I then got another £20,000 worth of work out of it because, <laughs> <laughs> because what they then said was, we want you to teach us how to do this when you're not in the room. So I was like, okay. Perfect. Perfect. So, so yeah, that, that's just, just enough. It's just enough. And I, and that, go on, sir. What, what Caitlin does, it's so magical that it takes you a while to learn is how neutral she is when she pulls out both of those. Like she didn't make either one wrong. She didn't make either one better than mm. the other because of the way that she's trained herself to be completely neutral in her facial expressions, her body language, her tone of voice. Like that's the, that's the kind of stuff that gets really difficult to learn when you're trying to learn this stuff. You're right. Yeah, the, 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 difficulty, the difficulty being in a really good clean facilitator, the thing that takes years to get really good at is to not let their, their emotional affect affect you but to, to demonstrate both to them and the group what's the invisible stuff that actually must be there for what they've just done to make sense. And just enough to get that out for the group so the group now understands why she's had this reaction. Mm. Then to go to the other person and go, okay, what's going on for there? Then to bring them back together with the contempt drained away because now they, I made them curious. Right. Now they can collaborate. But right. me, me being strong enough to hold that space that came from working with violent teenagers because if i ever reacted to the way the kids were behaving if i got into it they're dangerous but was you've got to learn this very strong calm presence and it turns out once you had violent teenagers to work with yeah it's all yeah a bunch of it nerds is kind of not really not really comparable i mean they won't they won't stab you per se but Unlikely. they'll drown they'll drown you in jira tickets and your life will be just as miserable without the physiological affect um but i also thought that so in your example one of the things that is interesting is you had two people with a varied definition of unclear it is it is a 100 odds on bet that the rest of the people in the room had a different definition in their heads of what the term unclear was so now you were unpacking that word to land on a and a on a um, not a universally agreed definition, but now you understand more about when people hear a word, what they were thinking in their own minds. Yeah, yeah. So you're always not just unpacking this, but what I always do, and this is a, a, a philosophy I, again I got from working with kids, is I then went up to the board and just went, so if this happens again and I'm not in the room, X is like what, Y is like what. What's the impact of that? What's the impact of that? Now, what do we know now? What would we like to have happen? 
So I always make a very simple schematic that they can now employ this in their business. You know, so it's right. what we what we didn't want with clean language and what David Grove, who originated it, never wanted was to make it an, an only an expert led process. But this and that's why I, I went into um, community work and into I, I still work a third of my time with with kids on the street because I wanted it. It was like it was so gorgeous. I didn't only want well-resourced experts to have hold of it. I wanted it unleashed. Right. But there, there's something to be said about creating that idea and then letting it, letting the world just take hold of it and run with it. That it will help. It's like the old, hey, you know, putting something under copyright or putting something under, you know, I, I don't, I, I trademark my framework and I don't let other people use it. Whereas if you throw it out under like Creative Commons and you let people naturally take it, not, not only do you prevent what Ivor Jakobson calls the, um, uh, what's it called? Um, gosh, here we go. I referenced a guy and I can't even remember the reference. He talks about how when we create, oh, what gurus, the guru culture, where you create a framework and then there's gurus sitting on top of it. You have to pay the guru where if you remove that and just make it open, people are going to take it and run with it. And you have a greater, a greater chance of absorption, adoption, and success. Absolutely. So Sarah, I want to put you on the spot. Let's talk about an example where you've actually used this to success. Um, can I talk about the session that we did at Agile? Well, absolutely. Well, there you go. Give me the perfect segue. See, people, <laughs> this is what happens when you have talented people on your podcast. You don't even need to write the segues. They write it themselves. So what what I did for that was combine um, Brene Brown's latest book, which was Defining Emotions, with clean language. And we only had a little bit less than an hour and a half. So what we had them, what I had them model was fitting in, which Brene defines as changing yourself so that you have like this false sense of belonging versus belonging, which is showing up as your weird, wild, wonderful self and knowing that if people don't accept you, you'll still be okay, but then they will see who you truly are and either accept you or not accept you based on who you truly are. And so we had table rounds and people working in triads where we'd have a questioner and I gave them, I think, three clean questions because I didn't want to overwhelm them with too much stuff and I had it on a worksheet so they could reference it trying to reduce that cognitive load and um, just had them model for each other with an observer to give feedback on what they noticed and to model fitting in versus belonging and gave them like 20 minutes to do that on their own in their triads and people I mean from the feedback that I got like it really blew people's minds which is what I love about clean is you could take a simple concept like that like they had never thought about that and we literally had some people in tears because they realized for the first time that they don't have a sense of belonging at work and other people in tears because they realized they do have a sense of belonging. And it was like gratitude mm. for them to have that and model it for themselves with their own unique experience was I've gotten messages even since the session that they were still thinking about it and That's great. like how it really helped them reframe just this whole idea of who they're working with and how they're working and who they are when they go to work. And like, to me, that's what is so beautiful and powerful about clean is the ability mm. to take a simple concept like that and figure out what it means for you. And the I epiphany, think, the epiphany, yeah. Yeah, I think for, even for somebody like me who didn't, I didn't get to get to Agile 2022 this year. Um, I, Sarah, ran a practice session and I did it with her. And as a result, it's really made me think backwards to audit my life and go, when did I belong to myself and my life and my work? When didn't I? And as a result, I'm about to start a new book called Inspiring Capability, The, the Art of Clean Facilitation. And I thought, okay, 
I was going to do this, this and this, but I can see now having just Sarah just modeling those two things. So I now, and I'm like, no, if I do that, it will be a strain. I'll do it, but it'll be a strain. But if I do it like this, if I match the world to the way I like to work, which is in one room, I like to dictate my book and I like to have the book on all the walls while I'm writing it. That's a joy. That's a breeze. That's me fitting the world to my system and I will be happy the whole time. And this will be a strain the whole time. So even I wasn't even there that day. Mm. She She's come together with a concept. She modeled my invisible architecture and now I can apply it straight to my next big project. That's fantastic. That's like fantastic. I, mean, I, I would love to conference in like Johanna Rothman, who's the most prolific author I know and say, Johanna, maybe you should talk to Caitlin about how you write books. Maybe you could increase your velocity to like, I don't know, three books a month, right? <laughs> Every time I turn around, she's written another book. It's kind of impressive. Um, Caitlin, I do want to take, I want to take a little bit of an aside and poke at, because this is the kind of thing that some of our listeners like the history, right? So you've mentioned David Grove a couple of times. Can you give us a little background about where this actually comes from the Genesis? Because obviously it doesn't come from Agile. It doesn't come from IT. It comes from something different. Can you give us a little bit about like the, 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 the prehistory? Yep. So David David Grove is um, half Maori, uh, half British heritage. He's from New Zealand, and I do know that once I went to visit his marae in, in New Zealand with him, I understand that some of the ideas come from Maori culture. It's it's very much, you know, if I was to introduce myself to you in a in a Maori way, I would introduce my father's mountain, my father's river, my father's land, my mother's mountain, my mother's river, my mother's land my mountain, my mountain, you put yourself in context and then I'll introduce myself to you and I'll want to know the same things about you. So they place themselves in their historical concept, mm. context, context. And so if you think about that belonging and fitting in that Sarah did, she didn't come and say, Brené Brown, Brown says, this is how you should belong and this is how you should fit in. She came in and said, take the term fitting in What's its context? What's the context within which you fit in? What's the context within which you belong? And so it's finding the context behind it. So I think that it owes a lot to Maori culture. David Grove developed it. Um, he did a lot of inner child work. He worked with um, uh, military veterinarians, in the, uh, vets, and he worked with um, inner child work, people who'd suffered historical child sexual abuse to put their symptoms in context. So that's where it started. Penny Tompkins and James Lawley, who were NLP modelers and psychotherapists in the UK, they Penny saw him work and went, I don't know what he does, but it is so <laughs> valuable. And I was their assistant. I was a student at the time and doing anthropology and linguistics. I was their assistant. And she said, you've got to come and see this guy. You've, I, I don't know what he's doing, but you've got to come and see it. <laughs> and so what they did, I know people who worked with David for 10 years and never asked a clean question because they couldn't his, he was so magical they couldn't work it out but what Penny Tompkins and James Lawley did was they made a learnable model so they made symbolic modeling which was their model of David's work and therefore because they'd made a model of it everyone could use it better mm. and then I took it um, alongside them because I was working with groups instead of individuals I developed systemic modeling which is how do you train a group a whole system to model one another system simultaneously so that's that's the sort of lineage that's how it works interesting interesting and when you said nlp that's neuro-linguistic programming that's neuro-linguistic okay. programming so they okay. had modeling it, it that's a modeling technique right so they 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 were already adept modelers 
um, so that, that they used that process to model David. And now we, we've all dropped that kind of modeling because we find the clean modeling is just simpler. It's simpler yeah. faster. And I can teach nine-year-olds to do it. So we know it's a simpler process for um, humans to absorb. Okay. Okay. So Sarah, I'm going to ask you this, um, for the purposes of what we do, right? Agile coaching, leading teams, leading trains. Um, what should our listeners be thinking about thinking of when it comes to using clean language in their daily, in their daily duties, right? Um, not talking to their spouses. We're not going to go down that path because I don't <laughs> want to have to send anybody a therapist bill. This episode is going to take a turn. Um, but when you think about like some of the things that we do, Sarah, like uh, ceremonially event-driven facilitation, where are some of the places that you have seen or you know that <clears throat> these type of questions actually work better than what we're typically used to? Yeah, one of our former coworkers used working at your best um, as a retro question and had all of the folks model working at their best as part of the retro. And then like, what will we do? What will we experiment with in the next sprint now that we know that this is how we work at our best to try and change things? So you can use clean questions as a type of retrospective to reflect just like we were talking about before. But for me, the biggest transformation has definitely been that shift of curiosity. So like if I'm working with a leader who seems very command and control and want things kept on track, like what kind of a track are they talking about? Why is it important things stay on track? You know, and really getting curious about what's going on in their head, like just that mindset shift. We always talk about how agile is a mindset, not a process. Like that for me has been, I mean, it's transformation, transformed my whole life. That's why I'm so passionate about it because it's helped me to see the world differently, you know? And mm -hmm. that just gives me goosebumps. Uh, the first place I ever saw it used where it really kind of blew my mind as far as like application was Mike Burroughs teaches it in his 15 minute photo. So he, he talks about thinking from right to left and start with the end in mind and work your way back. But when it comes to the idea of, of trying to, sitting down with a senior director, right? Sitting down with someone who's got an idea in their head, right? They know what they want. You got to get it out of them. And the, he, I think he calls it a 15 minute photo where you ask a bunch of clean questions to get people thinking about the solution they're looking for and create the metaphor, like how explain in their minds, what are they seeing in their heads and what does this look like giving you more detail. And it was a room full of agile coaches and we broke up into groups of four and we, you know, the first time we kind of struggled because you're trying to just get the mechanics down. But the second time we went in the room it started to flow easier. The questions became easier, not only for the person asking them, but for the person on the other end, they could think a little freer. And we got some really wild responses. Like when it came to like strategic planning and coming up with what is the next big bridge we're going to build or river we're going to cross. It was, excuse me, really kind of powerful in that regard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Caitlin, let's, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about from contempt to curiosity a little bit, going in a different direction. So um, can we talk a little bit about like, who is this for? Like, where was, what was the genesis, right? The, the epiphany that led to reading the book. And then who should, who, if you're, if you, if someone is listening, who are the people who should, you're saying, look, pick up this book. You might sleep a little better. You know, um, I'll, I'll be really clear and honest and not, and not try and um, sell it to any of your listeners because people kept saying to me, who are you writing the book for? Who are you writing the book for? Who's your audience? Make an audience. And I kept saying, do you know, that's not going to work for me. And the reason is, Dave, I got the idea from David and I went and worked with teenagers. And then somebody said, can you use it in IT? And we can, we can create self-organizing systems in IT. And then somebody said, oh, you've got a lot of experience um, with young Asian Bangladeshi men. Would you come and use it in welfare to work? And we got this huge project from the, what was then the, the 
Prime Minister of Australia's wife, Therese Rain. She had this huge project to create a welfare to work system um, that was based on clean language, that had clean language and systemic modelling at its core. And it was brilliant. And we, we doubled the success rate in getting people into sustainable work that suited them. And it just kept going like this. Then somebody said, you know, can you use it at Oxford Side Business School? Can we help look at our best programme directors, the world leading executive educators and work out what's the structure of their brilliance? So because it went like this, and I am a little bit ADHD and I do get bored easily. I, there's no way you can niche me. So because it went like this in real life, then I was like, I want to write this book for people who have got the competency to take an amazing idea and go, I know how that could work here. And mm. so when I, when I published it, we had Lloyd Seraclius, Mr. Metaphor in business at Oxford Said. He read it and went, this is great, wrote a forward for it. At the same time, I had a teenage, uh, somebody who works with teenage pregnancy in the Northeast um, with teenage fathers, fathers of teenage pregnancies. And she said, oh, I've absolutely used it to help them work out how they're going to manage their education and their child simultaneously. And I was like, that's it. That's what the book's for. It's for anyone. So if there isn't an audience like that. It's for anyone mm. who wants to go, I'm willing to think about the way I think, think about the way I communicate and ask questions and take responsibility once I've realized that being in contempt is boring. <laughs> and once you decide that your CEO is a bit of a dick and you just think, oh, I don't, I don't want to, you know, the, once you start get, recruiting other people to be in contempt of them, you're all lost. There's yeah. nothing, nothing good will come of that. So it's for anyone who's happy. Um, it's an easy read. It's not... The, the concepts are rich and deep, but it is an easy read. You know, oh, you can listen to it. It's on, it's on um, Audible as well. Audible. Yeah. So it's an easy read, but it is for people who are deep thinkers and innovators who will go, I can take this. I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. That sort of read. I don't know what you think, Sarah, but that's, that was my intention is that it's just as readable by and I, I know it is because, you know, I've got a bunch of parents in Moscow who wanted to use it to create a parent-led school that was inclusive for children with neurodiverse learning. So I know they There's can take there. yeah, and do it. You know, it's in Japan. I've got a, you know, a bunch of business people in Japan who are using it to do better business outcomes and strategy writing. Do you know, it's... It's, so, it's a multi-purpose tool. It's, it's not it, the... the, the beauties and how you can apply it because it truly yeah. is just grab it and you can take this and throw it into different um industries different places different types of communication modes of working and and it kind of just fits it truly is yeah. multi-purpose hey can caitlin tell you a little bit about clean interviewing too which is like oh yes absolutely that's very cool do you want to talk about that you'll have to tell me what you want me to talk about it well i mean you just got your phd talking about interviewing right and clean interviewing and you're teaching it now so i feel like that's a special kind of yeah. So, so clean interviewing, we, when I started to do it, um, as, a, as we were taking it out of the therapeutic environment, and so I'd go to a business leader. Let's, well, let's say the very first piece of business I did. So they invited me to go to the Institute of Directors, like some beautiful, fancy building. Remember, I'm a dirty youth worker. You know, I've, I, had, I had to borrow a dress from my mother to go to this interview. And they're like, you know, they, so I'm saying to them, so what would you like to have happen? He says, oh, I want my, my group to be more self-organized. So I said, well, when, when they're self-organized, what will you see and hear when they're self-organized like that? 
we start to build a little model. I said, so what are you seeing and hearing at the moment? So I start to build, a, you know, currently the organization's a bit like this. He says, oh, you know, they, um, they wait to be spoon fed. I said, okay, so when the spoon fed, what kind of spoon fed? Oh, you know, and we start to build that model a bit like you were saying with um, the Mike Burroughs exercise, we build that model, we build this model. And what I'm doing is I'm cleanly interviewing them. So I'm not trying to change them. I'm not coaching them. I'm not asking them to be different. I'm not trying to change any of the experience, but I could in 40 minutes, then make a map of their current business issue Notice where they actually had huge gaps in their knowledge. So actually there was lots of areas that the group, the organization was self-organized, but they missed it because of their, of their biases. So clean interviewing is about gathering the information, not for coaching, but just for information purposes, being able to map it out. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, a tricky, it's a tricky skill, but it's simpler. Um, I think that if you're gonna do it for coaching and change, you have to have a bunch of other skills as well. But clean interviewing, anyone can do it. It's it's something that anybody can do in any. And I think that's, Sarah, I think we find that that's a really, really simple um, way to get people to take it into, into business, into agile. Retrospective is not where you necessarily want to change now, but you just want to find out what, what actually happened. What happened, mm -hmm. from you, what happened from you, what happened from you. And then you take that data, which is now really high quality, and you go, now what would we like to have happen? And you might go, actually, I'm struggling with this, or I really want it to be like this, but I struggle. Now, then you might want to get a coach in. You might want to get a coach to then help that individual system right. update itself. But that's different from the clean interview, which is just a data gathering tool. It's fantastic. And I can definitely see the, the way you describe it. I can definitely see the utility in what we do, um, team building, strategic design, right? Getting everybody, getting, getting out there and getting those conversations out there and build those networks and build that notion from there you can navigate it's much more navigable when you understand where someone's coming from than yeah. using the word unclear and we all just diverge from there it's things get really kind of squirrely really quickly right right yeah. yelled at why did you use that word come on don't start me um so uh caitlin I, uh, we're getting close to close but i want to ask you you, you hinted that you're working on another book what's the next book about yeah so it's what lots of people are you know, the, the first, when I first found that path, my first 10 years, I did nothing else. If anybody asks me, asked me, could, can you do this? Um, I'm in the taxi driver. I started modeling the taxi driver while he was driving. And then he said, can you use this to help people learn the knowledge, to learn how to, to know how the whole of London works? I was like, don't know, anyone. I was like, don't know, let's have a go. So that's how I started for 10 years. And then I was going, okay, that's all very well. Now I've got the results, which are in, in the first book. I know what I can achieve. And I've got really good evaluation now. I know how successful this is. But what if it's just me? I'm a little bit odd. I've got an incredible memory. What if it's just me? So then the next 10 years have been spent codifying it and teaching it. Hmm. So now we've got, okay, now I know that we can teach other people. And so now I want to thin slice that. So what, what people are, now that my students are out there facilitating, you know, people like Sarah are getting great results. We're saying, let's write a book that's not for a clean enthusiast, but for somebody who really cares about facilitating groups. So we'll drop the clean of it and just go, what are key, if you want to facilitate cleanly, to inspire capability in a group. So when there's differences like the unclear, how do we inspire that group to be capable of resolving those differences in the moment and moving on? 
So that's that's the next book. It's going to be a, a how to. Oh, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy a, a box, buy a cannon and shoot it at people I work with. Because <laughs> and one of the things that we uh, most companies struggle with, right, Sarah, it's the ability to make a decision with more than two people. And even with two people, sometimes it's tough, right? Yeah. And it's, it's the whole, <clears throat> it's the consent versus consensus. And we always want consensus. And the platypus is the perfect example of when God tried to design something by consensus, right? Mm-hmm. A, a, a warm-blooded mammal with a pouch that hisses and lays eggs and it's poisonous, right? Like the duck-billed platypus is what happens when you design by consensus. Absolutely. So there is something to be said about finding a way to get people to come to a, let's leave this 60-minute meeting with something demonstrable that is not another meeting. And that yes. is huge. Like yes. change our lives. Like my hair might grow back. I might get skinny again. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, well, ladies, I want to thank you both. This has been a great pleasure. So for our audience, if they want to learn more, and obviously, Caitlin, we'll, we'll link to your website. We'll link to all your books. Um, Sarah, anything you need me to link to, just pass over. I will link as well. If people want to find more about clean language, maybe take some courses, maybe go down the rabbit hole. Where do they go? Sarah, what do you think? What's, your, what's the entry levels for you? Clean for teams. For yeah. this audience, probably, because we mostly work with teams. Drama-free conversations is the other one. That's that's a very light introduction to it. It's a drama-free conversations. Just, you know, how do you right now notice I'm in a bit of drama and just ask yourself one question, settle your system, get curious. So yeah, drama-free conversations or clean for teams, they're the big. Um, the, what's, what's the one that's just been, that John Barrett's just delivered in the Agile space? Is that? Oh, it's the team step- coaching, the IC Agile team coaching certification. Yes, oh, okay. Yeah, so if you, if you like being certified, the IC Agile Team Coaching Certification, um, Open Open Leadership Network in Agile, they have some clean, introductory clean courses. So, but yeah, clean for teams, drama-free conversations, those are the, the areas. Perfect, perfect. All right, well, uh, ladies, on behalf of our audience, I want to thank you both. This has been a great conversation. On behalf of Sarah, Caitlin, and myself, I want to thank everybody for tuning in again. Find the conversation on Discord. We're always in there yelling at each other. Um, it's always kind of funny when I post something and say, oh, yeah, ask my old boss. She's here. And then I tag her. It's like, oh, this will be interesting. <laughs> oh, here's her chance. To, I teed it up. Just light me up. Uh, but join us on Discord. Thank you to Machine Man Records and their artist Krebs for giving us our outro music uh, royalty free. Um, once again, we are committed to being free. We do have a Patreon if you want to upset production, hosting costs, whatever. Once a quarter, we send out gifts. Who knows what you get? Maybe next quarter you get my signed autographed copy of my safe RTE training manual. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> or we'll get you the, the blue blazer that you can start putting your certification patches <laughs> on. So once again, I want to thank you both. And until next time, this is the Agile Uprising podcast signing out. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.